0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Professional Book Girl. My name is Kayla and I read a ton of books so that I can recommend the best to you, aka I am a professional book girl. So I am so excited for this episode. I feel like I got the nerves out on the first one and I'm just in the groove, ready to go. But before we dive into it, I just have a few announcements that I forgot to make on the last podcast, which First of all, thank you all so much for your kind messages and sharing that you are listening to your Instagram stories. I cannot express to you how much that meant to me. I was so nervous to do this. I know it might seem like I'm so I hope it seems like i'm comfortable and i am and i'm getting more comfortable but it's actually really vulnerable to do something like this and just like put all of your thoughts and opinions and your story out on the internet for anybody to judge and you guys welcomed me back with such open arms i was tearing up reading all your messages my mom messaged me and she was like i cry every time i see like a nice thing someone said about the show and like i cannot express i said it on an instagram story but like i was extremely nervous to go solo But you guys gave me the courage and are continuing to do that. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. You will never know how much it meant to me. I love you guys. And I said this a million times on the first episode when I was listening back. I was like, God, I repeat myself a lot, which I do. So get used to it. But this is all for you guys. That is why I decided to start podcasting again. I also missed it. But I knew that I wanted to do something like this for you guys. So I'm just so happy that you love it. But to the announcements. So this was mentioned, but I just want to reiterate that this there is video. So on Spotify, you are seeing me. Hello. And you can watch the full episode on YouTube as well. And this is a big one I forgot to mention. I have a website on bookshop.org. I think it's bookshop.org slash shop slash professional book girl. There's a link in my Instagram bio. I will be linking the books that I speak about on every episode there. And full transparency, if you buy through there, I get a little bit of money. Like literally just the smallest amount. But if you want to pick up a book, I recommend it on an episode. It would just mean a lot if you buy it through that affiliate link. So that way I can get like a little bit of a kickback because this is my full-time job that I don't get paid for. But anyway, it is time to transition, transition into the first segment of the show. And I guess I'm also going to kind of be telling you guys what today's episode is about, although you probably know from the title but today is the first ever professional book girl holly jolly it's fucking christmas extravaganza and this week i am obsessed with christmas so full transparency i'm recording this before thanksgiving i'm going home tomorrow for thanksgiving tomorrow's thanksgiving eve and when you're listening to this we'll be fully immersed in the christmas season Uh, for us americans though like i'm I, I want to live in England. That is something that's going to come up on the show a lot. And I feel like they do Christmas better than us because they don't have Thanksgiving getting in the way. If you follow my Instagram, What, you guys know that I actually decorated my full apartment for Christmas already. If you're watching the video, you can see there's Christmas decorations behind me. There was on the first episode too. I've just had a really shitty year. When I look, when I, I was thinking about it last night and I was like, I learned so much. And my life changed so much this year. And I think in some instances, it was for the better. But there was a few months in a row where I was like, the hits just will not keep coming. And when I was feeling so, so low, I just kept thinking about how excited I was for Christmas and the Christmas season. And I said, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting my Christmas tree up this year. And we are bringing some joy and Christmas spirit into my apartment. And it has been working. Like There is just nothing like sitting by the Christmas tree. Like, ugh, I, I just love it so much. So I'm obsessed with Christmas this year. Um, and I said before, it's fucking Christmas. And I've said that a lot over the years on my bookstagram. And I realized like not everyone knows that reference. So I just want to tell everybody where that comes from. There is a Christmas movie. It's really more of a holiday movie by Seth Rogen called The Night Before. It is one of my favorite Christmas movies. And I will not say who says that line because it's a nice little surprise at the end. But it person in the movie says it's fucking christmas in like a very comical way and me and my sister kind of co-opted that and now we're always like it's fucking christmas and guess what it is fucking christmas sorry if you're listening with kids something that surprises people about me is that i do curse a lot i'll try to rein it in a bit on the show but like sometimes you just need to say fuck so i'm gonna say it so like i said i decorated early and i i When I was thinking about what I wanted to say in this episode, I was like, do you know what? I want to talk about how I get in the Christmas spirit. So I have spoken about this publicly before. Part of the lore of my life is that my parents broke up on Christmas. So for a lot of years, and I was 15, so it's like I had like the perfect idyllic Christmas as a child. And then it came down real hard when I was 15 and my parents broke up. And then two days later, my dad moved out and my life just blew up. And then for a lot of years, it was always just, like, it reminded me of that. And then it was, like, difficult. If you have parents who aren't together, I'm sure you understand. And, like, I was 15 and suddenly having to navigate having two households for Christmas. Although for a lot of years, in the beginning, my dad would still come over and just, like, do Christmas with us to kind of, like, make it normal. I've had, like, Christmas brings out the best and the worst in people. I feel like emotions are just so high. So I've had, like, some crazy events happen on Christmas But in the last, like, five years or so, I realized, like, I was like, I miss loving Christmas and being so excited about it. And obviously, I was always, there's a part of me that's always been excited about it. I love giving gifts. I have notes in my phone I keep all year with, like, when I come up with an idea of something I could, a gift idea for Christmas, I write it down. So I've always looked forward to that. I obviously always look forward to receiving gifts. But I was really like, do you know what? I miss feeling the magic and the specialness of it. And I'm sure part of that also is growing up, not just my like tragic Christmas backstory. So I kind of made this little like itinerary that I give myself every holiday season to get myself feeling holly jolly. That is what I say. Because um, Holly Jolly Christmas is my favorite Christmas song. That, hence the episode title of this Holly Jolly It's Fucking Christmas Extravaganza. So I do things like really cute decorations. Um and I will try to read some Christmas books. We're obviously going to be talking about that on this episode. I will watch a Christmas movie every single day while I'm working. Not sure how much of that I'll be doing this year, but I try to just make to do it in a way where it doesn't feel overbearing, but it feels it's something I look forward to all year. So, I live in New York City, so I'll try to do some of some of the Christmas things there I'm gonna go see the tree but then something that has been happening really just like the last two years is making new traditions with my family and that is what I am honestly the most excited about this holiday season so like I said the day that I'm recording this tomorrow is Thanksgiving Eve and a new thing that my family has been doing is having a big Thanksgiving Eve party and then on Thanksgiving everyone's kind of scattered and with like the other sides of their family. When I talk about my family, I'm talking about my dad's side of the family. I don't know my mom's side of the family. My mom is not married to my dad anymore, but she is still a member of my dad's family. Like tomorrow night, my dad's brothers and my aunts and their kids will be at my mom's house and my dad will not. So just another interesting little tidbit about my family. Um, And like the Thanksgiving Eve one is a new one that is just so much fun. And then over Christmas Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year it always has been my mom there's a huge party I've just always looked forward to it it's like you still feel the anticipation and then I do like a bit of a chiller Christmas and like now that my siblings and I are adults although I don't drink alcohol but Christmas Eve is like my family's biggest party night of the year like full-on rager that was that's the night that like everyone gets the drunkest that they do all year I don't know where that originated from but i i love it it's so much fun and we've introduced like these like games that we'll play every single year we do the one where you put um like a 20 dollar bill in an amazon box and then wrap it up a million times and then you have to like you put oven mitts on and someone's rolling dice and if they get doubles you have to pass it it's kind of like hot potato trying to open a present last year I introduced a game that was a winner where you have like um, dollar bills all over the table and a spatula and a cutting board and you're blindfolded and you have to try to like scoop the cash onto the cutting board it is very fun Um, and then me and my sister have started taking my little cousins I say little but they're teenagers now which is really wild and also really special because now we're kind of all in like we can have real conversations together again. So I have two girl cousins. They're 17 and 14. And my sister and I would kind of have a girl's night with them. And we would go see a light show and then drive around and look at Christmas lights. But this year, they're going to come into New York City and sleep over at my apartment. And we're going to go do all the Christmas things. And I am just so excited for that. So I'm just very happy that we're in the holiday season. I hope you can tell I'm doing everything I can to feel holly jolly after the shitty year that I've had. But yeah, so that's kind of that's that's what I am obsessed with this week. Obviously, continuing on that as we talk about books, um, something I'm doing something right now that I'm not going to do all of the time, but I have a Christmas TBR and I want to just tell you guys what is on it because I'm not super into a lot of the Christmas books that are out there. The three that I'm going to be talking about today, like we've got like a Christmas thriller, like that's like a Kayla Christmas book, really. So. I feel like we need to revamp the Christmas romance genre, if you will, because I'm not into the Hallmark books. If you are, they're like good for you. I'm kind of jealous because there's so many of them that I would love to be reading right now, but not a Hallmark movie girl, not into those books. I feel like we just need some more good Christmas rom-coms. So I don't have that many that I usually, that I could recommend to you that I've read and loved, unfortunately, that you're getting my top three in this episode. I also don't read too many every year. This is hands down the most that I will ever read. I'm just looking at the list and I'm eyeballing it and I'm thinking it's seven books that I'm going to do. Honestly, though, maybe more because they're not written on here, but I have like two on my Kindle that I might also read. But my Christmas TBR this year, are you ready? Write this down if you want to try to get Holly Jolly like me. The first one is A Winter in New York by Josie Silver. Huge fan of hers. Her book, um, The Two Lives of Lydia Bird, was one of my favorite books a few years ago the year it came out. It's a really beautiful portrait of grief and moving on, and I loved it. Next is Love Holly by Emily Stone, who we will be talking about her book that came out last year on this episode. Then The Jolliest Bunch by Danny Pellegrino. I'm obsessed with Danny Pellegrino. If you're a Bravo fan and don't listen to his podcast, you are missing out. I think he is hysterical, so I'm excited. It's a holiday-themed essay collection. Then I'm going to do The Christmas Orphans Club by Becca Freeman. Then Wreck the Halls by Tessa Bailey. And then Nocturne by Alyssa West, which is, I think, kind of like a nutcracker type vibe so just wanted to give you guys those books in case you're looking for more Christmassy recommendations going into the holiday season those are the ones that I'll be reading so maybe we could be like book twins and read them at the same time and that'll be fun but without further ado let's get into the main books for this episode Okay, my neighbor's dog is barking and he never does so I hope everything's okay but sorry if you hear that um Okay, the first book for the Holly Jolly, it's fucking Christmas extravaganza is The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. And when I say that I want more holiday rom-coms, I'm specifically thinking that I want more books like this. This is my favorite Christmas rom-com. I read it two years ago. So I am doing my best to jog my memory. Bear with me a bit. When I think of Christmas books that I want to recommend, this is at the very top of the list. I think this is what a lot of us are looking for when we think about holiday books I loved this so much I like I said I'm not into the hallmark book vibes but this is kind of like a hallmark light and I would like more books like this so I'm putting that out into the universe to every author existing So our main characters, they are twins, and they are Charlie and Cass, and they have very different lives. I almost think of it as like Mary-Kate and Ashley in a New York Minute where they're just complete opposites. So Charlie lives in L.A., and she is a star on this baking reality show. I don't remember if it's a competition. I just want to put that out there. She has a big rivalry with this guy who's also on the show, which makes me think that it's a competition. Um, But yeah. And then Cass still lives in their small town that they grew up in, very much like a Hallmark village type town. And she runs the family bakery. So Charlie is on set in LA and she gets hit in the head and she can't taste or smell. I forgot this bit and I was just looking at the Goodreads to see what I thought about it when I first read it. And I was like, did this come out before COVID? And it didn't. It came out in 2021. So um, maybe she was inspired by COVID to have that be like the main symptom of her getting hit in the head. I don't know. It just feels a little too nose on the head. And holidays 2021, I was running around New York waiting four hours in line trying to get a test so I knew I could go home. So I don't know why I was so happy to read about someone losing their taste and smell but anyway she needs her taste and smell because she's on this baking show and this is what makes me think that it is a competition show because she like needs to taste and smell if it, it tastes and smells good <laughs> so she can win so she acts her twin identical twin sister Cass to take her place and compete as her on the show so she can meet this guy that's also on the show that she hates and she agrees to do it so the two of them then switched lives and then I'm pretty sure there was a subplot with Cass although it ends up being Charlie who has to deal with it where a big bakery chain is moving in on the town and it's a little bit like you've got mail like the small business is kind of being pushed out and they're under a lot of like stress over that and Charlie ends up dealing with that as Cass, um, they of course they both find love, and I thought that it was really cool when I think back on this because the person that they fall in love with thinks it's a different person, and they both girls end up finding things about themselves. They're both kind of a loss a little bit when it happens, and they just completely swap lives. For Charlie, it's like going back home. For Cass, it's finally leaving home, venturing out. I really enjoyed this. I remember that I really loved the reality show aspect. Charlie's, Sp- or I guess it's Cass living in Charlie's life. Her love story is, it was my favorite one. Like I remember it so vividly. I, When I read, I picture things in my head like a movie. And when I talk about them, I picture the scenes. I don't know if I sound crazy to you guys, but that's part of why I can re- the way I can recall plots so well because I'm, literally picturing like the movie that I watched play out in my brain. So right now I'm like picturing, I remember there's a scene where like she's in her car and Cass is in the car and like her love interest, I think his name was Miguel, like comes up to her car window or something. And I remember at the end there it obviously all comes to a head around Christmas and uh in the small town bakery there was a big snowstorm and that was like a drama and I can like picture like the street that the bakery's on with all of the snow. So That's what I'm, like, reliving while I'm talking about these books. Um, But, yeah, I thought that this was a really interesting take on the big city, small town thing. It was a bit different than, like, the typical Hallmark trope of, like, city girl goes home to the small town and falls in love. Like, the fact that they swapped lives and the fact that they – They are identical, but their lives are so different. I found really, really interesting. That's a trope in life also that I find similar. Like I always say that my sister and I are the same, but extremely different. We were forged and grew up in the same consequences. And we have so many distinct things about us that are so similar and similar interests. But when you look at us on the surface, we seem so different. And I love reading about that. In books and with the identical twin thing going there too i just find it so interesting i gave this four stars like if you are looking for a fun little rom-com to read this christmas season this one is it that is the holiday swap by maggie knox okay that is the last like fun christmas book we're talking about because the next book i'm going to cover is so freaking sad and made me cry so much but it was so good, and this is One Last Gift by Emily Stone. Emily Stone writes some of the saddest books, and they're not straight Christmas. Like We're not in the North Pole, but they there's a Christmas element in all of them, and there's something about the holiday season and sad times that I just like reading sad books around the holidays, and I, I know that sounds so weird, but like I said in the beginning of this episode, I think December specifically is such a weird month because there's so much togetherness and family, whether that's with your family you were born into or your chosen family and your friends. But it brings up so many emotions and of loss. And like I know when I'm with my family, we talk about our family members that we've lost. And also there have been a lot of years where my family hasn't all been together over Christmas because there's been some drama or another. And I'm extremely lucky that right now that we're in this phase where we all have kind of been like enough with the bullshit like we love each other and we are family and we all want to be together and have fun and it's kind of in my generation of my family that's like helped fuel that and I think it's really special but also preface to say if you struggled during the holiday season like trust me I get it um but I think reading sad books around this time it's just like a nice little excuse to like lean into the melancholy that comes with Christmas and the holidays and Emily Stone's books are the perfect way to do that, specifically when it comes to grief with this book. So our main girl is Cassie, unlike the last book, Who's Cass? We have Cassie now. And she and her older brother, Tom, were orphaned when they were young, and their aunt took them in and raised them. And their aunt did a great job with them, but she was kind of hands-off and a little bit aloof, and Tom really looked out for her. He was a very protective older brother, but they were extremely close um, they I remember when I read this I posted I was like my brother would never it's just like in I guess it's born out of necessity of them being like the only thing that each other has like their only like family member although they live with their aunt but they're not super close with her and Tom has a best friend named Sam who I pictured as Sebastian Stan who is my celebrity crush and that just made this book like all the better that I was just picturing Sebastian <laughs> during this whole time but Every year on Christmas, since they moved in with their aunt, Tom sends Cassie on a scavenger hunt to find her gift. But really, it's like the scavenger hunt is the gift, and it's, it's sweet. She shares stories from when she was younger, when he would send her on it. But unfortunately, Tom was in a tragic accident, and he dies. And because of that, there are chapters from Sam's point of view as well. And you you see why, but he kind of fled from his life after that, after losing his best friend. And Cassie was also really close with Sam, but he wasn't, like, she didn't really see him as a brother because she had a huge crush on him, right? And so you can pick up what I'm putting down. This turns into, like, a brother's best friend romance. This is only the second one I've ever read. The first one was by um, Sally Thorne. I feel like it was called, like, Fix Her Up or something. I wasn't really a fan of that book. This one, I think, does it so well because there's also so much else happening. So Cassie, they were in – okay, now I'm mad at myself, and here comes my UK trip coming up again. The village they were from, I can't remember what it's called, but I went to that village, and I was thinking of this book because when they were all growing up, they all worked in the local pub at the village, and the owner of the pub really looked out for all of them and was kind of like a mother figure to Cassie and Tom. And in – the midst of Cassie's grief and all, and like her life after Tom, obviously, she keeps coming back to the pub, and there's this whole subplot that they're gonna have to sell, and they try to save it. But I went to the village where this book takes place, and I could probably just do a quick Google, but I feel like I'm on a roll, I don't want to stop. So, if you're listening and want to Google, I went there to go to High Clear Castle, which is Downs and Abbey. I went to the real life Downs Abbey, it was a pinch me what is my life moment but while i was in this village and i i didn't really like stroll around because it was like a hike from london to get there and then i had to figure out the cab system and like ubers don't work and i was like what the heck i'm talk about like city girl being a small town thing like a new york city girl in the middle of english villages i was a little like out of my depths there um especially the one time i got lost but that's a story for another time So I was really just, like, getting in a cab with other people who were going to high clear and whatever. But I couldn't stop thinking about this book when I was there because I was like, where's the pub that they all go to? And this is where they grew up. And just getting to, like, picture that was very fun. Anyway, I forgot what sent me down that tangent. But so Tom's dead. Um, And it is very sad. I just felt like Eric or Tom's house was broken into and the car rolled five times and it was snowing in Pasadena. (laughs) The way I just said, so Tom's dead. It, It is sad, though. I don't want to make make light of that, but whatever. He's dead. And Sam fucks off. I'm pretty sure he came to New York, actually. And Cassie, I want to keep calling her Emily. That's the author's name, though. Cassie is left. She lives in London. She, like, moved out of the town that they grew up in that I went to. And she's working at a hotel, and it, like, really sucks. Like, she hates her job. It's so toxic. Been there, done that. And She, it's the next Christmas now, and she receives a freaking letter from Tom, and it is her first clue for this final scavenger hunt, and he didn't know that he was going to die. It was a freak accident, so it's not like he was sick and he was able to plan this. It's just serendipitous the way that this happened, and she goes on her final scavenger hunt, and she kind of waits a bit, but She ends up traveling across England. She ends up in France a bit and he's sending her on this journey for her last gift. But really the gift that he ends up giving her is a final connection to him. I just remembered a huge plot twist that I was like freaking out and so happy about, but she ends up really finding herself. Like I said, she was in a job she wasn't happy with. So you can kind of assume what happens there. And Sam is brought back into her life and the two of them end up reconnecting and Yeah, I feel like this is just a beautiful portrait of grief. And something that I am very, very big on is that when your loved ones pass on, I feel like I'm gonna cry now. Like they are still with you. Like I my pop pop was in my dreams like every night last week. And I like I think that's so special when things like that happen. And like Taylor Swift Marjorie, like when you hear a song of this came up in *Dead Romantics* by Ashley Poston, which is one of my favorite rom-coms. But she wrote it so beautifully, and I'm gonna butcher it. But um, that book is about death, obviously, and her family owns a funeral home. But she says, like, you—the people you love—are still with you when you pass on, and they're with you through their favorite songs and their favorite things that live on. And when the song randomly comes on the radio, and in this book, one last gift—it's through this final quest he sends her on, where she's also able to find herself and refine the parts of her that she loved when Tom was still around he was her whole life her closest person in her life I cried so much like it, it is so sad but it also then becomes so heartwarming and you're really rooting for Cassie and Sam also is on like you there's like I said there's chapters from his perspective so you're also reading about his grief and his regret because he I'm not I almost spoiled something but um Yeah, and then they find themselves again. uh, They find each other again, and it's just really beautiful. I really loved this. There's also one specific scene in this book when she's in London, and he, like, sends her to a high tea. and I was also thinking about this when I went to a high tea in London. Um, She does a really great – Emily Stone does a really great job at, like, painting England in her books, but – I love this. If you want to cry this Christmas season, this is the one. I gave it four stars. That is One Last Gift by Emily Stone. And there was a book from her on my little list I gave you guys in the beginning. So I'm assuming I will be crying again because of this woman this month. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. The final book is a Christmas thriller, which pause for a moment. When I re- I didn't pick this up knowing it was going to be a Christmas thriller. It was very serendipitous timing. And I will tell you the story of how I read it because I think it's funny. Um, but I was like, oh, my God, a Christmas thriller. Obsessed. This is The Family Game by Katherine Sudden. And if you are going to read one book from this episode, it needs to be this one because this was a carrot what five-star read. Obsessed with it. So I, last year, last December, some of you who follow what may remember, I went off the grid for a week, which I have never done before or since in the five years of having that account. And it's because I went on a work retreat. But for that retreat, we literally went on a cruise. I don't work there anymore, so I can say it. We went on a cruise to the Dominican Republic, which was insane. And it was like, it was a lot of fun, but like cruise with all of your coworkers, you can imagine. How I was feeling going, it's that, and I was happily surprised that I had a lot of fun. But obviously, I brought like planned reads for being on a cruise. This one I started like the night before we left, though. So I like I flew to where the cruise left from and was in my hotel room, when I started this book, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I am obsessed, and I was like, I would be at, like these fun events, and I couldn't wait to get back to my room and keep reading this book because it is just so so good. So. Our main girl is Harry and she is British living in New York. I picture her as Florence Pugh and she is an author. She writes thrillers and she's kind of on the cusp of like being super famous. Like she's already had a book out that's done really well. She is dating Edward. So Edward is like this specific person you encounter in New York. And he, at first you're like, he's just like a typical trust fund guy, like working in tech which is a very specific character in new york if new yorkers listening i feel like you know what i'm talking about and you learn that he is from an extremely prominent new york family think like the Astors and the vanderbilts like gilded age old 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 money society upper echelons like pulling the strings behind the scenes of everything they run shit and he is the heir of the family. But he is like woe is me. I don't want the family legacy. I don't want the money and the responsibility whatever and he goes off to forge his own path where he starts like this app. I'm pretty sure. Obviously with the family money and resources but kind of being that guy that's like, "Oh, look at me. Like I'm like startup entrepreneur doing it all on my own." But it's like really you have every single privilege in the entire world like a typical white guy. So, She's dating him though, and she knows that his like she knows of his family. She has not met any of his family, and she knows a kind of like the weight and the power that the family holds. But she doesn't fully understand it, which I feel like you can't like living in New York in modern times. Like you know of these families, and there are these socialites. But I feel like once you're actually in their world and like realize what they're capable of and doing you don't fully understand it and the capable of is the key point here wink wink I said it was a thriller so it's the beginning of the book and this is not a spoiler but they go rock uh ice skating at Rockefeller Center and he proposes to her and then he's like you're gonna have to meet my family so right away now she's like she's very nervous about that she has a run-in with his sister first that like doesn't really go well it's kind of like she pulled like a power move on her and she ends up being invited to the family's townhouse for dinner and she goes and she's very nervous there's like he has a brother and a sister and the brother is married so the sister-in-law is like also there and harry and her end up like kind of becoming friends and like bonding over being in this crazy family together but dinner like all accounts go as well and his dad pulls her into his study to chat and she's assuming that it's going to be kind of like a we approve or don't approve kind of thing no So he's like, I'm a fan of your work and your thrillers. And that's why I trust you with this. And he gives her a cassette tape. Like, what year is it? What year is the cassette tape from? So now she, he's like, I want you to listen to it. So she leaves and she's freaked out. And she like tracks down like a cassette player. Um, There's a scene I remember where she was like on the subway on the way back and starts listening to it. And it was just very vivid. But she listens. And he is confessing to multiple murders on that tape and now she's like what the fuck on so many levels like so she turned him in he's obviously a dangerous man who is very powerful and very connected she's worried about herself she's worried about edward she's like who are these women so because she writes thrillers she has connections and there's this i think he's a retired um detective that she works with so she starts like feeding him info as if she's writing a new book though. And she's like, hypothetically, if this were to happen. So he's like helping her out a bit. So she's not fully alone and trying to figure all of this out. But she goes on this mission to kind of find out if what the dad said on the tapes is true more and more family secrets keep coming up it is insane all the while in the backdrop of it's Christmas in New York and she is now a part of this family even though they're still just engaged and she is being invited to all of these crazy family traditions where more and more it keeps coming out so one of the main family events she goes to is Krampus and I'm sure some of you listening are familiar with it I realized after this book that Krampus is mentioned in Christmas movies and I want to say specifically like in the Santa Claus movies and I was like oh my god now I know what that is so this is like an old I'm pretty sure German tradition where it's like evil Santa and they're in this New York townhouse and the kids are like it's for the kids but they make her play because she's new and basically krampus is like this monster santa that you kind of like play hide and seek and if it's it's like if he catches you you win or you get to find something before he can catch you or something like that i don't know but knowing everything that she knows like it's sinister the vibes are sinister with this and it's just like it's so interesting for a thriller like this to be set in the backdrop of christmas specifically in new york and i maybe it's because i live here but i feel like books with christmas in new york like it it just hits like we we do christmas very well here but it's this would have been a great thriller without the christmas element you've got this old old moneyed new york family it is such an interesting plot guys the twists are insane like i'm not even covering 20% of it cuz i don't want to spoil anything But then you throw in Christmas and these traditions, and you kind of take the levity of this season and superimpose it with this murder mystery that is happening, and it all leads up to the Christmas celebration at their estate outside of the city, and so much shit goes down. It is so wild. I could not put it down. I loved it so much. I gave it five stars. This is my favorite Christmas book. Of course, my favorite Christmas book would be a thriller. I like I I just can't. Like I'm just picturing everything that happened and like freaking out again. I need another book like this. It is so, so good. I loved it. Okay, that is our show. I hope you have enjoyed the first ever professional book girl Holly Holly Jolly. It's fucking Christmas extravaganza. I hope you've gotten some great new Christmas reads to put on your radar this holiday season. Once again, I just want to, I didn't say it on this episode, but the rest of the episodes for this year are going to be counting down my top 15 books of the year. So for the next three episodes, you'll be getting five books an episode of books I was obsessed with. I am very excited. I still haven't gone through all the books and decided which were my top ones of the year. I have an idea, but it is going to be very fun. Um, as always, please let me know what themes you guys would like to hear for future episodes. Please make sure you are following, subscribe, whatever it is you have to do on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Follow me on Instagram at Karad Follow the show on Instagram at Professional Book Girl. Like I said, at the top of the episode, we are available on YouTube. And if I inspired you to pick up a book on this episode i would really appreciate it if you bought it through my link that is it i will be speaking with you guys next week but i hope this ushers you into the holiday season on a happy note we're going to be so holly jolly and full of christmas spirit and have so much fun this december and i will see you guys next week